0: Welcome to everyone tonight. I don't specifically see any guests, but if I'm overlooking any, we welcome you tonight. If you're joining us by way of the internet tonight, we welcome you as a part of this service, wherever you may be as well. Praise God. You may be seated. Please switch my iPad on tonight. At this point, I feel like is going to be the last uh night connected to the last several weeks of teaching on a call to greatness, which has really been about servanthood. And so um tonight I, I, I wanna I wanna share with you tests of servanthood. And uh, these are some things, this is, will no way be a conclusive list of things. But what I'd like to share tonight, I believe, are things that all of us, and, and, and I remind you, by servanthood, we're talking about ministry. We're talking about ministry involvement and, and uh, that we are all, called into the ministry, we're all called to be servants. Paul identified himself, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. So just quickly remind you, I guess, give you a little bit of that context. Maybe if you're here tonight, you haven't been for the previous uh, times I've taught along these lines. And so these are some things that I believe most of these things tonight, if you are involved in the kingdom And ministry for any length of time, servanthood, these are some things that you will face, some challenges that you will face. So, uh, I'm, 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 these are not necessarily, they will not necessarily be in a, uh, specific order per se. They're, they're not listed in a sequence. They're, they're not listed. I'm not gonna go through this necessarily, and I don't want you to take from this that the order is, some kind of major significance to the order i i these are things that came to me and um, i I did try to feel after and put them a little bit into an order, but they're not necessarily in a in a set order so the the first one I want to talk about is the test of flattery, the test of flattery first Samuel chapter eighteen verse six says it came to pass as they came when david was returned from the slaughter of the philistines that the women came out of all cities of israel singing and dancing to meet king saul with tabrets with joy and with instruments of music and the women answered one another as they played and said saul has slain his thousands and david his 10000s Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain his ten thousands. I believe one of the tests of servanthood is you will be put in situations where there are people that sing your praises. They proclaim how great you are, and if you notice in the, in the context of this verse, David was not the king. In the context of this verse, he was he was uh, inferior to Saul. Saul, though already rejected by God, Saul was still king. And it would have been very easy for David to get caught up. It's not really necessarily said here, but another danger here is when people start to tell you because notice that what they were saying was David is greater than Saul. I mean, Saul has done this, but David, David has accomplished this. Be careful when voices around you start to tell you how much greater you are than those God has put you under. And there will be voices. You know, you, you really could do a better job or you do a better job than that. You, you, you're more talented. You're more gifted. You're, you're more anointed than they are. If you're not careful, that can start to settle in your spirit and start to go to your head and start to develop some attitudes inside of you that are not at all conducive to a heart and a spirit Of servanthood. Another test of servanthood is the test of self promotion. Mark chapter 15 and verse 1 Straightway in the morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council and bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answering said unto them, unto him, thou sayest. He wasn't like, Yeah, dog, you got it. <laughs> that's who I am. That's what I No, he just simply said, That's that's what you say. I've said it before, it's a it's a bit of an awkward thing when you get done preaching or service is over and somebody comes to you specifically or you pass by them and they brother right that was a that was a great message. That was an awesome message. It's kind of a fine line between trying to show respect and courtesy but also not wanting to, yeah you know that was wasn't it <laughs> I I knocked it out of the park tonight didn't I <laughs> Jesus Jesus simply said that's what you say. I'm not Confirming nor denying. Use these verses already in the last couple of weeks and I'll just read them in the Living Bible for the sake of time tonight. Your attitude, Philippians 2, 5, your attitude should be the kind that was shown us by Jesus Christ, who, though he was God, did not demand and cling to his rights as God. Isn't it amazing when we who are not God try to demand things that belong to God? And yet the one who was God did not demand and cling to his rights as God, but laid aside his mighty power and glory, taking the disguise of a slave and becoming like men. We we live in a natural world where you've got to you've got to try to position yourself. You've got to try to get yourself recognized. You've got to try to get yourself noticed. You you got to impress the boss so that you can get a, another position, you can get a raise. You got to you got to get good grades. You got to do well on a paper to impress the teacher. You 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 got to try to put yourself out there. Can I tell you, in the kingdom of God, you don't have to try to get yourself noticed or known. God knows exactly where you are. When it came time to replace Saul, David was not out campaigning to be king. God knew exactly where David was. When it came time for Elijah to move on. God knew exactly where Elisha was. Most of you know it. Most of you know at least the basics of the story. But but the Bible says there was a a school of prophets. (laughs) So there were people enrolled in school to be a prophet. And yet when it came time for God to select uh, the one that was to take Elijah's mantle, it wasn't the guy who was at the top of the class at PU, Prophet University. Go PU! Their 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 gang sign is. <laughs> Sorry. God knew. Where Elisha was. And where was Elisha? Where was he? I know this is Thursday night. This is more teaching. Let's get a little more interaction. Where was he? Plowing. Plowing behind 12 yoke of ox. Plowing. I'm sorry, but he wasn't in the prayer room. He wasn't in the AML, CNN... NBA that Brother Hemus talked about. <laughs> he, he, he wasn't enrolled, trying to be. All he was doing was being faithful to do what he was supposed to be doing. That is servanthood. He didn't have to promote himself. God knew exactly where he was. I think we got too many people living like this. Pick me, God, pick me. And God looks right beyond behind, beyond us to those that are just simply being faithful to do what they're supposed to be doing. Another test, this is, this is probably one of the most common ones, is the test of being unappreciated. You can say, oh, amen, that's all right. Luke 17, 10. So likewise, when you shall have done all those things which are commanded, you say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. No accolades, no parades, no celebrations. We've just done what we were supposed to do. If nobody calls my name, if nobody sends me cards, sends me presents, okay. I've just done what I was supposed to do. i got to tell you, I think there's a lot of people that this is the open door that starts some bitternesses for them. I've done this, I've done that, and I've been in this, and I've given to that, and nobody's even recognized what I've done. As a servant, Jesus said the attitude should be, when I've done what I was supposed to do, I've done what I was supposed to do. I won't reuse my... Trash taking out and room cleanings that I've used already in the last several weeks. Just, I did what I was supposed to do. Kind of similar to this, but also in a little bit different way as well. The test of being overlooked. 1 Samuel 16, back to David, verse 10. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. I know most of you here tonight know this story, but let me just remind you, Samuel comes to Jesse's house because God told him to go there for the next king. And he gathers all of his sons but leaves David out tending the sheep. There's really several different layers of issues we could take from what's taking place here. (laughs) I mean, can you imagine coming in, which he eventually does? um, The prophet came and said that he was going to anoint a king from this house, but we didn't take time to go get you, David. David. Samuel said to Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold he keepeth the sheep. And I I permit me for a little bit of interpretation here. I just kind of imagine what Jesse was saying was yeah, we got one more, but <laughs> surely it's not him. <laughs> I mean he's out taking care of the sheep. Samuel says, well, send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. Wait wait a minute, you've you've gathered your sons, but you've left one out. I promise you, there's going to be some times you get overlooked. The question is, what do you do when you're overlooked? Because David could have walked into that setting... With a really bad attitude. He could have had a really bad spirit as a response to that. Really? You 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 got all my brothers here and you didn't think it was worthwhile to, to at least include me? Huh? I mean, I'm I'm a part of this. Oh boy, let's see here. Let's see if we can bring this a little closer to home for some. They had a meeting and I wasn't invited. Brother, Wright got that group of people together and I was left out. They, 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 put a, they put a group of people together to sing a special and nobody called me? Don't they know? I know I'm speaking complete just hypothetically here. Everybody out there, and our problem is when that happens. What is our reaction? Because our natural reaction is, you know what? Fine, if that's what way you want to be, forget it. You want to you want to overlook me, you want to leave me out, then I'm going to stay out. Or you just understand, I'm a servant. If I got overlooked, at least I finally got to the party. <laughs> you ever, I, 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 I had a, I had a really bad week about two weeks ago. I don't know. I, uh, I think it, it appears. <laughs> Hopefully is maybe, I guess I hope is this more than just age, but, uh, according to my wonderful wife who loves me very much and does nothing but support me, I, I've been a little different since my sickness last year. And I, one of those things that seems, and I, I, I don't know if it's, I got brain damage from my sickness or what, but I, I, I'm not usually, I know all men are forgetful. I hate them stupid stereotypes. Men don't ask for direction. I guess I'm not a man. I'd rather, I'd rather just get directions. And save hours of wasting time than prove some ego thing and so whatever. So I I didn't used to be forgetful. I when was the leadership meeting with Bishop supposed to be two Fridays ago? One Friday it all blurs. Bishop had had some oral surgery, wasn't feeling well on Wednesday sent out to the three senior elders, not going to be able to do the meeting. I immediately, I immediately sent an email. Problem was, I picked the wrong list. Not the wrong list, but I picked a list that didn't have as many folks. Had some folks show up here on a Friday night, because I totally forgot to announce in church that it was canceled. And then the same week, Sunday night, the last Antioch United, we had a very precious young lady that was supposed to be given her Antioch ministerial license in that service. And I'm sitting on the platform in the middle of Bishop preaching and I looked at her and I went, Oh my God. And I wasn't cursing. I was praying. I come politely. For God. I, I will have to tell you though, I was also sitting there thinking, basically thinking to myself, if there's anybody that this happened to, I'm glad it was her. Meaning, I was absolutely confident, as horrible as I felt, I was absolutely confident. And it's exactly what happened after church when I went up to her. Her attitude and spirit was absolutely beautiful. Brother Wright, I understand those kind of things happen. It's not a problem. It'll it'll be okay. I don't know know what way it made me feel worse. I, I may have felt a little better if she'd have cussed me out. I may have. But you know what? Let's be honest. Bottom line is not everybody could have handled that. Of course, her reaction was a proof to me that those involved in the decision of her getting her Antioch ministerial license made the right decision. Because that kind of attitude and response says, you know what, it's okay if I'm overlooked because I'm not in this for the recognition anyway. It's okay if I get passed by. I still have a mission and a purpose that God has given me. And if nobody ever knows, and if I get overlooked, that's okay. I'm still going to be faithful to what I've been called to do. This next one is, could sort of be related, but again, I think is, is stands alone. And that's the test of obscurity. I've mentioned this, I've taught almost a whole lesson in the past about this, but if you read through the book of Acts, those, those little we's look really good on my iPad, just so you know. If you read through the book of Acts, if you read through the book of Acts, you find that pronoun used throughout the book of Acts. We. We. I I picked just one passage where you can find it several times and that passage is a very it's a very popular if I could put it that way passage it's the it's a passage where where Paul gets shipwrecked and Paul gets preached about and it's it's where Paul says to the the captain of the ship that I I don't think we ought to sail and you know the captain's kind of like yeah sure right you're the prisoner I'm going to listen to you and, and so it, this, this is that passage, and I've just pulled out a couple, l- listen to a couple of them. Verse one, when it was determined that we should sail into Italy. Verse two, and entering into a ship of Adramidium, we launched. And the next day, we touched at Sidon. Verse four, and when we had launched from thence. Verse five, and when we had sailed, Over the sea of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. And verse 7, and when we had sailed. We, we. But who gets talked about? Who gets preached about in this passage? Somebody's doing good classroom work here tonight. Who was that? Paul. It's all about Paul. Paul was shipwrecked. Paul was saved. Paul, 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 Paul. And yet, the passage says, We. We. Somebody. Somebody went through everything Paul went through. Somebody dealt with everything Paul dealt with in this passage. And yet, we only talk about Paul. Ooh, Paul. Who's the we? Who's the we? I hear somebody. Luke. Are you, I mean, what's up with that? Luke is responsible, used by God to write the book of Acts. Am I reading that correctly? Am I understanding what chapter 27 says? Luke was with Paul. And Luke never gets preached about for being shipwrecked. Luke never gets preached about for what he survived. It's all about Paul. It's all about Paul. So, you know what, it's not too hard to be Paul, but how many of us can be the we? How many of us can give ourselves without reservation and stay in obscurity? Never get the recognition. I'm going to say it again. I'm not trying to be unkind. We can all sit here in this service right now. And, oh, yeah, me, brother, right? Me. But that let me tell you, when you get outside of here, it's a whole different story. If I ask you right now, who of you can be the we? I guarantee I get some hands. Woo, Me. Yeah, we can say that right now. But when everybody's bragging about Paul and everything Paul did, and you know, I was there in the middle of it. I dealt with everything Paul dealt with, and nobody calls my name. Oh, I don't know why I pick such great topics when we already have half the people missing. I mean, that's, come on, man. I mean, you think about that, I mean... Just put that in the context of, of uh, uh, you know, of a, of a of a ball team, a football, baseball team. Yeah, the bottom line, that's that. That really is the way it works, isn't it? <laughs> a lot of times, I mean, you know, Tom Brady, the goat, the goat. I did, I just learned about a year ago. I thought, or actually, it was earlier. I didn't goat. I'm like goat. That's a derogatory thing, isn't it? I mean, I don't. I don't want to be a goat. <laughs> goat, go around eating trash. I don't. Want, That's the greatest of all time. Okay, just because it makes an acronym doesn't mean it's the best one to use, but okay. Tom Brady's the GOAT, the greatest of all time. I was up preaching in Massachusetts beginning of the year. Brother Jonathan Robitas, he's a a Patriots fan. The GOAT, we got the GOAT. No offense if you're a Patriots fan. There's one in the house, I know, because he lives with me. The goat wasn't so great several years ago trying to finish off a perfect season. Why? Because the we didn't do their job very well. (laughs) And because the linemen weren't blocking, the goat wasn't as great as he usually is. But There's usually one or two names that get called and everybody else gets sort of lumped into the, to the we. Do just as much, give just as much. I am of the opinion... I know this will sound like a great cop-out or an excuse, but I really don't mean it. that. I'm of the opinion that sometimes when thanks and appreciations are being given out, God causes certain people to be overlooked, to just see. See what the response is going to be. See if you can be trusted to do what you're doing with the right attitude, the right spirit, the right motives. The test of being mistreated by leaders. There's a lot of great stuff you can learn from David, you know that? 1 Samuel 19, 9. And the evil spirit from the Lord was upon Saul as he sat in his house with his javelin in his hand. And David played with his... I mean, just think about it. The worst some of you have to do is leave a church service think You know what, Brother Wright was preaching at me tonight yeah well, at least I wasn't trying to kill you. David, get get it, get it. David is there. I want you to get this. I, I want you to David is there to do a a good thing. Saul has been tormented. They, they need somebody to come help soothe the king. They pick David. David comes to play his harp and try to be a vessel through which something good can happen. And so David plays his harp. And Saul sought to smite David even to the wall with the javelin. But he slipped away out of Saul's presence and he smote the javelin into the wall. And David fled and escaped that night. I mean, you, you, get the, you get the picture? Saul was trying to kill David. This isn't a wild pitch. Oops, sorry, man, I, I hit you. I didn't mean... He was trying. They, they say, you know, baseball, he, he, he drilled him. Pitcher hits the batter, he drilled him. Saul was trying to kill David. Trying to kill him, the leader God had placed David under, was trying to kill him. I I, I know I've offended people, accidentally, I, I not purposefully. I wasn't consciously trying to hurt somebody's feelings. And yet I've offended people. David was, David had to deal with, hey, this isn't no accident. This wasn't a mistake. This isn't a misunderstanding. You were trying to kill me. Next chapter, if I'm not mistaken, in the next chapter, guess where David is? Same place he was in this chapter. Sitting there in Saul's presence. Playing the harp again. I mean, come on. Think about it. I don't know about you, but the, <laughs> hey, listen. I know that didn't work real well last time, <laughs> but we kind of need you to come back. Are you kidding? I survived once. I, 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 I got out of there once with my life. You want me to come back and do it again? Yeah. If you don't mind. And he goes back to the same exact outcome. Saul does the same thing again. Trying to kill him. You you have got to have, if you have never had this challenge right here, you must have just joined ministry today. If you've never had to experience being mistreated by a leader, you you must have just started. And and here's what scares me. I don't know what it does to you, but what scares me is, I'm going to use these verses in a different context in a little bit here, but God still stood on the side of a leader who was wrong. My question to you is this, if God will stand, still stand with a leader who is wrong, how does he respond to a leader who is making an honest mistake? See, our problem is, human nature is, Saul throws the javelin, we step to the side, but we don't flee. We yank it back out of the wall... You threw it at me, you better be able to move like I move because you're getting back what you threw at me. Oh, hallelujah. This is real fun. Well, they're supposed to be a man of God. Yeah, key word, man. We like the God part, but don't forget the man part. (laughs) A man of God doesn't become God. He's still a man. Test of questioned motives. First Samuel 17, 28, the context here. David taking care of his father's sheep. Jesse comes to David and says, i got an errand for you to run. I want you to take some food down to your brothers. I want you to find out how they're doing. Check everything out. See what's going on. He shows up there. He begins to ask about what's going on. In verse 28 of chapter 17, it says, Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? Phew, it was a little bit of a dig there. I know thy pride and thy ha- and thy naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. Oh, don't tell me that, David. Don't tell me why you're here. I know. Let me tell you something. It's, it's, it's one thing to have your motives questioned and you know for yourself, yeah, you got me. My motives weren't right, but I got to tell you, one of the most challenging things I've dealt with in ministry is when to the best of my ability, my motives for what I did as best I could tell were right, and then they were questioned or accused. Notice, notice, notice what his brother said. His brother didn't say, I, you know what, I think you're proud. He didn't, he didn't say, I, I, I think, I think you're a bit naughty. <laughs> he said, I know. I know you. Don't give me, don't, don't give me your line, David. I know you. You want to talk about something that hits deep? Well, you're, you're just trying to, you're just trying to do this or you're just trying to do that. All all of these, all of these things. i got a couple more to go. The problem with all of these things is if not properly dealt with, they become an opening for bitterness, for unforgiveness to set in. Next one. This ties in really in a lot of ways with the last one. The test of retaliation. Or Samuel 24, verse 3. It came to pass, or and he came to the sheepcoach, by the way, where was a cave. And Saul went in to cover his feet, and David and his men remained in the sides of the cave. Again, context here is Saul has his army, his army, <laughs> searching for David to kill him. And they show up at the same cave where David and his men are hiding. And the men of David said unto him, Behold, the day of which the Lord said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thine hand, that thou mayest do to him as it shall seem good unto thee. Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privily, and it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. He had an opportunity to get even. You tried to kill me and failed twice. Now's my chance. And those that he had surrounding him. You know what? You better be real careful about keep talking to everybody about your issue until you find somebody that tells you what you want to hear. Because you talk to enough people, somebody will tell you what you want to hear. David didn't even have to look for it. They were right there with him. Look, David, God has put Saul in your hands. This is your chance to get even. This is the opportunity. They, they even quoted God on him. Behold, I will deliver your enemy. Here it is. This is your opportunity. All he did... All he did, really doesn't seem like that big of All he did was cut off a part of his robe. And yet the Bible says that when he did that, his heart smote him. It didn't even hurt him. It's kind of sad when we move beyond the point of our hearts smiting us when we're cutting the robes off of people or parts of a robe. All, I'm sorry, but in one context, I think I can say, all he did, all he did, he brought no bodily harm to Saul. He did not injure Saul in any way. All he did was cut a piece of his robe off and his heart smote him. You know what? I can pretty much guarantee you stick with it long enough when those that have, You've experienced those that have hurt you purposely or unintentionally that God will then provide you an opportunity. Are you going to get even? Or will you show mercy? I know I made the point already, but again, in the context of this passage, Saul, Saul had mistreated David. God had rejected Saul. I mean, God has already rejected Saul. He's already turned away from him. And yet, when David does something as simple as cutting a part of his robe off, he feels convicted for what he did. Fortunately, David made a very wise decision, and he did not retaliate that day against Saul, because in spite of Saul's mistakes and errors, he was still God's anointed Another test that we faced is a test of loyalty. Genesis 9 20. And, and when I read this passage, let me finish my point before you misinterpret what I'm trying to communicate. Genesis 9 and 20, and Noah began to be an husbandman, and he planned he planted a vineyard, and he drank of the wine, was drunken. He was uncovered within his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. And Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. And their faces were backward and they saw not their father's nakedness. My my point with this passage is don't don't misinterpret my point on this one about I'm not referring to justifying or covering sin but loyalty in the context of when those that you are following those some of those that you are serving when they have moments of weakness and make mistakes loyalty says love covers Love covers. Love hides. Love doesn't expose. Love doesn't take an advantage of an opportunity of somebody's weakness and struggle to hang them out to dry in front of everybody. I'm gonna say it again. Said it this, I think, the last one, but the context of this one. I don't think it's the devil. I think God Himself provides us some opportunities like this to see how we are going to respond. To see if we will handle these situations in the way that pleases Him or if we will take advantage of these situations to get what serves ourselves. The problem with some of these things is, again, when you start to let things sit in your spirit and fester and bitterness begin to develop, it's it, it's challenging enough. It's challenging enough when you're prayed up. <laughs> it's challenging enough when you're doing good to work through some of these things. but when you've got some stuff that's kind of sitting in your spirit that you're not dealing with, the challenge is multiplied. (laughs) To be able to not take advantage of opportunities and situations to get even, to get back, to sell somebody out. One more, in case you're trying to figure out how much left to endure. And again, as I said in the beginning, I'm not saying this is anywhere near a conclusive list. This is just the things that I felt like God specifically kind of dropped into my spirit. The test of disappointed expectations. Matthew 11, verse 1. It came to pass when Jesus had made an end of com- of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the words of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? I think I used this just recently in a message, but notice... In prison, he's now asking what previously he had declared. What's really amazing, one of the things that's really amazing to me about this is when John stood that day and declared, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. At that point, Jesus had done nothing. He had done nothing. He had not performed any miracles. He had not opened blinded eyes, unstopped deaf ears. He had not walked on water. He had not taught multitudes. He had done nothing. This was the start. And at that point, John says, this is the one. Now he's in prison, and I think it's the verses following this, because they come back to Jesus and ask Jesus John's question. John wants to know, are you the one or should we look for another and Jesus responds this time and says, "Go tell John, the blind see, the lame walk. I don't remember the exact list, but that's the poor have the gospel. Pre- there, what what he had no evidence for in the beginning, he declared, and now there's evidence, and he questions." Why? Because his expectations. (laughs) I'll say this one, as well as the one I said previously. If you're here tonight and you have not had ministry expectations that have been disappointed, you just joined ministry today. (laughs) I've thought it. Probably upset said it. I know I've thought it. I've heard others of you say it, and I know others of you have probably thought it. This is not what I expected. Huh. I didn't expect to be here at this point in time. I mean, it's like you giving your life and working at a company, a Fortune 500 company. You give 40 years, 50 years, and you're still making minimum wage. This isn't what I was here for. There's some times that it feels that way. I've been doing this for 20 years. I've been here for 30 years. I've been here for 50 years. I didn't expect to be here. You think John expected to be sitting in prison? You think that's what John was expecting? I don't think so. I think... Forgive me for my imagination. It may be wrong, but this is just what I kind of imagined. John, John, I think John was good with the fact I'm not the one. (laughs) He knew he wasn't the one. He knew there was another one that was the one. But I just gotta believe that John was kind of thinking, you know what, I'm not I know I'm not the one. But I'm pretty sure I'll be the VP. I'm not, I know I'm good with not being number one, but I, I'm I'm pretty sure I I mean surely after I do my part, he'll make me number two. I mean, you know what, I'll I'll go from being the preacher to being pre-service prayer leader, surely. But that's all right. I I really don't think John thought. I'm going to make this big declaration of who you are and then a little while later I'm going to be sitting in prison about to lose my life. Oh, hallelujah. I know none of this will make you real happy tonight, but it will get you to heaven. I do believe that. God, really? I've given you all this and this is all I get? I've given of myself in this way and that way and I've sacrificed and, 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 and this is what I get? If I can be a true servant, keep the attitude and the heart and the spirit of a servant, then it's all right. I've done my duty. I've done my job. I've done what I was supposed to do. If I get some perks out of it, great. If not, Paul, not Paul, I'm an apostle, not Paul, I'm the writer of so many great epistles, but Paul says, I am a servant of Jesus Christ. I'll, I'll I'll pick on one of my friends here, because even if he gets mad, he'll forgive me because he loves me. <laughs> yeah, I'm coming to you. <laughs> is 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 this what you imagine? Do You imagine yourself being where you are now, doing what you're doing now? No, no, not anywhere close. He says, not anywhere close. Not anywhere close. But I'm pretty confident he knows he's a servant of Jesus Christ. That don't, that don't mean you're always like smiling and happy about it. <laughs> Don't don't misinterpret or overinterpret what I I mean you know. <laughs> I I I somehow I got on this distribution list and I get I get a video every morning GodTube, sort of I guess a supposed to be somewhat of a Christian version of YouTube. This morning there was a clip and there was this guy who had been into cycling bicycling races, raced in Europe, I think, raced in the Tour de France, and he was talking about as a teenager when he was getting into it and how much he just gave himself to it and some of the damage that was going on in his body, whatever, and he came in one day and his mother told him to do the dishes and he was tired from all of his exercise and went in there and kind of, you know, was a little upset and accidentally, it wasn't really on purpose, but accidentally he was a little extra rough and broke a dish and, of course, it happened to be one of his mother's you know more prized dishes uh I, I, please i'm 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 not saying there's not sometimes times that we do some things with a little bit of frustration and agitation and irritation i, I, I we're humans we're humans, but somehow we gotta quickly work to bring that into check. And remind ourselves, this, this isn't mine. We were talking about it some in the executive council today. This, is, this isn't mine. I, I don't know what my future holds. I don't know. My, my hope, my dream is that I'm in this role until I die or Jesus comes. That's my hope. That's my desire. That's my dream. But I don't own this. For all I know, God could speak to me tomorrow, sell everything you got, go to Africa, go to Liverpool, help Brother Hemus. Or, you see, that one, that one would probably be a little easier. What would be a little more difficult is for God to say, thank you, David, I appreciate your service all these years. Somebody else is going to do your job. I just want you to make this your spot. And sit and participate and watch. Oh, it's easy for us to take ownership of what God has called us to be servants in. Say that again. I'm almost done. I'll try not to put you through pain much longer. (laughs) It's easier, it's easy to take ownership of what God has called us to just be a servant in. I might get in trouble for this. Obviously, I won't say anything too personal or whatever, but there have been a couple of times conversations that we've had executive council about various situations and a concern about, I think this person probably needs to change. But a great concern about how will they take that? How will they accept somebody telling them, you know what? Think you need to do this anymore? Again, you know, we—if you at least either give me a promotion or at least a horizontal change. (laughs) But don't, you know, don't demote me. Was John demoted? I'm, I'm, I'm quitting. Was John demoted? Was John stuck in prison out of demotion? Good job, John. No. No. Not at all. In fact, Jesus says that, you know, you say, not, none born greater of a woman. That wasn't something that said about John. John did all right as long as the expectations were being fulfilled. John did all right as long as it was all playing out the way he wanted it to play out. And I think about the only way to survive these things I've talked about tonight is to be able to maintain the attitude and the heart of a servant. Do you know something? I don't know. This is probably going to go right over some of your heads. But there's no such thing as somebody that's irreplaceable. There is no such thing. No such thing. I, I hope I, I hope I don't want any response. I'm not fishing for a response. I'm trying to make a point. I'm not fishing for a response. I, I I hope you love me. I hope you I hope you think I'm the greatest pastor in the world. I hope you think you don't want another one. I hope you think the same thing I think that I'll be here until Jesus dies and I, that's, that's what I hope. Until Jesus died. So I, there we go. Sickness. The brain's messed up. I forget. Wait a minute. I got one more slide to add. <clears throat> the test of being laughed at and made fun of. <laughs> now I've done it again. I don't even know why I was even saying what caused me to mess up. And Oh, I now I know. I believe I I am here doing what I'm doing in the will of God. I believe I'm called for this purpose, for this position, for this role at this point in time. But I also know there's nothing about me that makes me irreplaceable. I am a servant of Jesus Christ. I hope in all sincerity, and I mean this from a very pure motive, pure purpose, I hope that as I've gone through these tonight, and again, you probably could add more to the list. But I hope if throughout tonight, one of these, or more than one, if they have resonated in your spirit, if there's been any of a, ooh, Ow. Oh. Got my toe. Could I, could I beg you to do me a favor? Ultimately yourself a favor. Would you spend some time the next few days, just you and Jesus, working through some of this? You, you know what? I, 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 um, I'm a, I, I think there's really a, a message in this, and I'll, If I preach it later, you'll just have to forget it that I used it tonight. Sister, Sister Rafter, my son, was sharing with us the story of your husband being bit by a brown recluse, I believe it was. Hopefully I get this correct. That it's not necessarily... the the poison or the, the, the venom of the brown recluse that's the problem. But there's often a parasite that is attached to the spider that when it bites, that's released and does great damage. I think there's a lot of times... We get bit by things that they're not necessarily by themselves that severe. But they leave something behind that more often than not subconsciously works against us, eats away at us. If I get a splinter in my finger, at that moment, it's really not life-threatening. One of our enjoyable videos to watch is Timothy, several years ago, got a splinter. And we were out of town. We were actually in my parents' motor home on a little getaway And he was laughing, I think out of pain, I think laughing as we were trying to take the splinter out. You know, a a, splinter is not that big of a deal by itself. The problem is if it's not dealt with, if it's not taken care of, what is minor what is insignificant can actually become extremely dangerous i don't think we should walk around with our feelings on our elbows bothered by every little thing that goes on but i do think we should constantly search ourselves and ask the lord to search us that if it's you ever get it you ever get a cut I've had this happen a couple times. I've gotten cuts, and one of my kids will look at, Dad, what would you do? I don't know, actually. I'm not really, not really sure. When it happened, how it happened, I didn't, in fact, oh, wow, I didn't even notice it. I wonder how many times that happens to us spiritually. We get cut. We don't even really notice it but then we don't deal with it. And what may be minor in and of itself eventually produces some great problems because it wasn't dealt with. I didn't mean to draw my closing out so long, so once again, I'm asking you tonight, if you're willing to acknowledge that somewhere along one of these points or several of these points this evening, something's resonated in your spirit. Would you take some time with you and Jesus? It may be minor today, it may be no big deal right now, but if left undone has the potential of causing some pretty great issues. Bow your heads, please. Father, I ask you to help us tonight. You've given every one of us the great privilege of being a part of your kingdom. We're not just here as a part of a church. We've been given the opportunity to be a part of your kingdom, to be your servants. We're not here to serve man. We're here to serve you. You said in your word, Lord, you know our frame. You know the dust that we're created from. You know our weaknesses, our struggles. You understand our humanity. I pray that you would help us tonight, God. I pray for every person in this room tonight. I pray for every person that's a part of this church. I pray for every person involved in ministry, God, that you again would renew in us the heart, the attitude, the spirit of a servant. I pray, God, that when we encounter things that you allow, that perhaps you even orchestrate those circumstances to provide us the opportunity to see some things about ourselves that by your grace we would not just rush past them and ignore them, but that we would begin to deal with them so that like a natural wound, something that may be insignificant if it becomes infected can cause great damage. So with the spiritual wounds we encounter, help us tonight. As David prayed, Lord, I pray and I trust that others will join with me to pray. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit. Renew a right spirit. God, as best as we may try to search ourselves, you said in your word that we don't even know our own hearts. I pray, God, that you would give every one of us the grace to... Open ourselves up before you and allow you to search us. And as you search, God, give us the grace to be willing to hear whatever it is or see whatever it is you may want to show us. That we might be able to properly deal with it. Lord, that like Paul said, after we've been involved, after we've given of our lives, that we would not ourselves become a castaway. Renew us, refresh us, revive us, Lord. I pray, God, a fresh touch of healing upon every individual in this place tonight. God, those that sit here tonight that may be becoming weary in well-doing, I pray, God, for strength and refreshing upon them tonight. I pray, God, that you would renew them, Lord. Pour in the oil of healing into every spirit, every heart in this place tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. look forward to seeing you on Sunday. In Jesus' name.